everyone, this is Randall Latham, co-host of the Marginally Pertinent Podcast. My co-host Bart Harper is on location in Nashville, Tennessee to interview musical recording artist Douglas Allen. Now, I have to admit that I was a bit jealous when Bart said this opportunity popped up because not only do I think Doug's music is fantastic, but he's also an old friend of mine and Bart's from college. So, Doug is looking to record his next album in Nashville and we'll talk about his Indiegogo campaign uh, to help raise money to get in the studio and make this record happen. Also, if you stick around to the end of the interview, Doug will also do an acoustic performance of one of his songs on this upcoming album. So, enough of me talking. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Bart Harper's interview with Douglas Allen. Hey, welcome to our first interview show. I am Bart Harper, and I have the special pleasure of bringing our first ever guest, Douglas Allen. We go way back, and from here on out, I'm just going to call him Doug, because that's how I know him. So, Doug, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. It's, it's good. I have to think. Uh, well... I, I'm a Capricorn, 37. Um, I live long here. walks on the beach. <laughs> long walks on the beach. Uh, no, I'm a singer-songwriter uh, and artist here in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I make music for a living. By the way, we are on location in Nashville, Nashville. Tennessee. Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, right? Yeah, Music yeah. City. Music City, That's yeah. what we call okay. it. That's what I thought. All right, so... We're going to start off with just a little basic information. You already told us where you live now. You live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a singer, songwriter, musical artist. Uh, that's what I'm going to say because yeah. musical, making musical music, artists, that's, that's more like magic to me because <laughs> I can play music. I cannot make music. And so that's, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about your new Indiegogo launch project uh to get your album up and running yeah uh but before we get into the business stuff yeah let's talk about us let's talk about how we met yeah how did we meet we met at i'm trying to think who i met you through it was probably randall it was probably randall actually yeah we all hung out at the baptist collegiate ministries building back in college and um, so we met in college, we met hanging out at the BCM, just as we, we just said before starting recording, we, we did life together. Uh, we didn't really, we did school. <laughs> we did a little, I don't think you and I ever had classes together. No. We were we different. Were, yeah. Yeah. You, I flew in a plane with you one time, I think. We did? I think one time. It's very possible. No, I think it was one time because I remember, <laughs> I remember that I had flown. This person shall remain nameless in this interview, but I had flown <laughs> with somebody else that we knew. Uh-huh. It was another acquaintance of ours, and they did a flapless landing, um, and I thought I was going to die. And those, I re- those can be a little rough. Yeah, well, and fast. We almost overshot the, the runway. <laughs> we did land. We were okay. <clears throat> they thought it was really funny. I did not. Um, but I think I fl- I did fly with you one time, and I remember commenting on how safe it was. So back in college, you know, we just had a good time. We never got into trouble. We didn't. It, it was yeah. more just sitting around. Um, some of my favorite memories, though, we didn't do this a lot. Because I didn't buy my, I had sold my first bass guitar long before. Yeah. And uh, you went with me to buy another bass guitar so I can actually, we could play together and I got to play with you some. Yeah. uh, Before you moved off and to graduate school. Yeah. uh, I do remember that. We went shopping down at Guitar Center. Yes. For your bass. I remember that very well. Speaking of anybody listening from Guitar Center. We would love to plug you and, and get sponsoring from you. Anyway, um, and and so I mean, any free swag is cool too. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to actually do stuff I like mean, that, but it's podcasting. It's, it's like the wild west. It is the wild west. 
right. Uh, so we finished school. Uh, you got married. I did. And moved off to uh, Oakland, San Francisco yes. area. Yeah. Um, you did life. Had a couple kids. Had a couple kids, yeah. Um, got a graduate degree. Got a, that you're using... So, uh, and as, as I'm using my degree so well, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I got a, I got a master of divinity <laughs> and I did work at a church, uh, for a hot second. I worked, I worked at a church the entire time I was in grad school doing that. And then I took a job at a church in Colorado and it was not a great fit. And, uh, so, uh, my then wife and I decided to move back to Northern California and we moved to Oakland and, kind of got involved in a church there so yeah so you used a little bit there and um so as long as i've known you your passion has always been for music you yeah you played drums first I did when i knew you yeah i did um which i still again magic um <laughs> because i i try uh, we got samuel a an electric drum kit nice uh, so whenever he did bang on it it wasn't so loud yeah. but I'll get up there and I can play just you know the basic rock beat um, that's it I mean my fills sound horrible uh, I, I go on the tops I'm like yeah this is going to be great <laughs> well to, to be fair that's what I sound like now when I try to play the drums <laughs> I, I I always jokingly tell people that I'm retired from from drumming, though I still find that I think like a drummer. And I actually had the chance to work uh, with a producer here in town, and we were recording a very a, a special song. I can talk about this late, later, um, but we we recorded a song that we were trying to get placed on a TV show, hmm. and um, we had a drummer come in and. Uh, I had never met him before and I had a very specific idea of what I wanted those drums to sound like and the, we were co-producing the track and so my producer was kind of just like yeah just tell him what you want give me a talk back mic and I just kept like telling him like can you play this for me and I would like give him an example and then I just thought I was being really bossy and rude you know because I just kept telling him what to do and then uh, kind of towards the end of that session he came out and he goes man, it's really great to work with producers who know how to talk to drummers. I was like, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy that because I was just really telling you what to do the entire time. So, I just thought I was being bossy. Yeah. So I still think like it, but I can't, I sit down and try to play. I, I, I live with a drummer now and I sit down and try to play every now and again. I'm just like, man, I have lost it in my legs. I still kind of oh, yeah. have it in my hands, but I just... It's, it's yeah. the feet that bewilder Every time, man. Yeah, lost it. But the good thing is, to play the guitar, you don't need your feet, I, except to keep playing. Mean, yeah, yeah, it's true. <clears throat> Unless you don't have hands, and then you do need your feet to play the guitar. That's true. That's the thing. Do people do that? <laughs> yeah, is, there's, that a, there's a YouTube rabbit hole that you should now go down of <laughs> watching people who don't have arms play guitar. So it's pretty. Some of them are better than people with arms. So on the website, we do <clears throat> put videos of stuff like that, and usually with our shows we try to have a video yes. of something yes. you just gave us our video yes so You're on the website we want you to be looking for uh an armless guitar player because there will be a link or an embedded video for you to watch yes. about that uh, all right so back to douglas now. <laughs> okay. all right uh so what 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 drove your your musical interest what drove do you mean like my musical influences growing up or just me pursuing music i like both of those let's can, go with that I can go with both of those um my musical influences are kind of varied and really really sort of evenly split across my mother and my father so my dad was really really into early rock and roll in in motown with a little bit of old country in there, but not a, not a ton. <clears throat> I don't think it was until I was older that I realized that he enjoyed that more. Uh, and then my mom was really into singer songwriters from like the '60s and the '70s. So <clears throat> the things that I grew up with primarily were like old rock and roll and Motown, which I love. 
it's all about it's really some people probably would fight me on this but it's really not in my opinion a lot about those lyrics it's a lot about the beat and the feel and the music and the melody but the words are kind of uh uh What's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> the words are... Background? No, they're kind of inconsequential. You know? Um, I mean, I'm one of those that would actually agree with you because... Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if you take the music away, you just got poetry. Yeah. Or, or just somebody talking. But you take the words away, you've still got great music. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then my, my mom's influences were these. Uh, I remember John, she introduced me to John Prine. And John Prine's a great lyricist. If you haven't looked, heard of him, you should look him up. He lives yeah. here in Nashville, actually. Yeah. Um, and he's just, uh, those kind of deep lyrics always, I don't think I appreciated those until, until I got older. But then, uh, yeah, then, you know, I, kind of, I grew up... Uh, church kit and so church music and then Christian rock and then and then eventually worship music made its way into that repertoire of what I listened to and then when I really started drumming my music shifted toward I was listening to a lot of um, Dave Matthews mostly because of their drummer and yeah and then (laughs) The Police. I listened to a lot of The Police. And then I was actually listening to a lot of jazz and funk, too, at the time. And uh, with, you know, some great 90 alternative bands like like Conning Crows and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Um, That was actually one of the ways we bonded. Yeah. Because of our uh, enjoyment of Counting Crows. Yeah. Counting Crows, man. Adam, if you listen to this at some point, there you go. I, I, I oddly did a cover of a Counting Crows song on my Instagram right before I left California <laughs> and I got a notification that Counting Crows liked it and I thought it was just some fan page and I looked and no, it was Adam Duritz that oh, liked wow. the cover I did. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, and so, not followed by a uh, cease and desist order or whatever. Yeah, no. I don't know how copyright law works. but uh, Well, I think it's okay to cover it. As long, You're not as you, money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making. I made zero money off of it. Um, and then my pursuit of music. So, music for me has always been. Um, I don't want to say this. It's not an unhealthy thing, but I mean the best thing that I can liken it to is almost an obsession. Like I had somebody, I had a friend who once told me, if you can do anything else, do that thing. Um, I've since given that same advice to my daughters. Like if you can do, if you can do anything else, <laughs> do that. And my youngest daughter said, I figured it out. Like, hey, what do you want to be? She goes, a stand-up comedian. I was like, you're going the wrong direction. <laughs> so... <laughs> Music being this kind of obsession for me, <clears throat> I couldn't I couldn't stop doing it. And I almost kind of thrived on people telling me I couldn't do it. So I had a few instances when I was in high school and I or and maybe like late junior high when I started playing drums where people were like, You're no good. <laughs> of course I was no good. I just started playing. <clears throat> but then I but like Your that face sort is of no good. Yeah. Your face <laughs> is no good. Um, but I, but that sort of motivation, like pushed me to get better at it. And so I, I worked really, really hard and it was the same thing when I picked up the guitar, I had a couple people tell me like, you suck. I'm like, yeah, I just picked it up. It's kind of how it works, you know? And I just worked really hard at it till I could do something on it. So, um, yeah. So I remember when Doug picked up the guitar, uh, another BCM night. Uh, I think we had actually come back from summer break and you had been at a camp Mm -hmm. where you were probably playing drums and, um, you, you picked up the guitar there. You you just started playing Mm -hmm. and you came back that next, uh, that fall semester 
and you're like, Hey man, I picked up the guitar. I learned how to play guitar. I'm like, Oh really? Cool. And, and you know, I just thought that was something you're going to add, but then you started doing more guitar and less drums. I'm like, dude, you, what about the drums? I know a lot of people said that to me. <laughs> Cause you're good at drums too. And, I was, but yeah, I mean, I was, as you, as you said, if you can do anything, do that. Yeah. Or anything else, do that thing. I say this with no ego. But I was a really good drummer. <laughs> and I remember Kerry uh, Freeman said to me one time, he's like, so what about the drums? And I, and I was just like, well, I like guitar. He's like, but you were a really good drummer. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to be a really good drummer right now. I want to be a very marginal guitar player. <laughs> so I started playing mostly guitar. Um, and then when I moved to California, I just didn't tell anybody I played the drums. So it sort of just cleared up go. the problem for me. There you go. Yeah. You go of course, nobody knows you. Yeah. And they don't know yeah. what you can do. Yeah. I don't think anybody knew I played guitar for, for my first year of grad school. I didn't, <laughs> I kind of laid back. I didn't tell anybody. And I certainly didn't tell people that I played the drums. Um, but then I kind of, and that was an agreement that, that, uh, that Rihanna and I had had was that the first year we were going to just focus on our classes and, <clears throat> and then I would, you know, if at the end of that year I wanted to do music, I would. So, and it was good. It was good for me to take that break and yeah. really just delve into other things like Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so we can look forward to the Hebrew album after this. Yeah. It's a, off, it's so. a Jewish theme, all Hebrew. <laughs> Traditional <laughs> instruments. Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. Um, all right. So we're not, we were just joking about the Jewish album, which, well, I assume we're not having a Jewish Hebrew album. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to, at my 25 year mark of doing music, I, that is a plan. But for now, once you've traveled the world yes. and on tour and all that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So tell us, since it's not in the Jewish style, um, what what style what style are you playing, man? Uh, the my elevator pitch for what my music sounds like, uh, I I would describe it as folk blues Americana. So I say that because I don't sing like a folk singer. I think my um, my voice is a little bit more soulful. So I've, so that's where I get the soul part. The folk is I'm, I'm playing stuff. I used to play more acoustic music. Now I'm kind of, uh, delving more into playing more electric music. Uh, and I don't mean like electronic music. I mean like <laughs> electric guitar. So the and EDM album isn't yeah, coming out either. That's 10 years from now. Okay. <laughs> it's 25, 10. I have markers along my career. Um, <laughs> so, so I, still think that there's a there's a portion of my music that has that sort of folkiness to it um so my influence are are obviously like i said motown earlier otis Redding's a huge um influence for me more contemporary to that i would say somebody like amos lee uh, there's a guy out of austin called dave ramirez that is somebody who who's been a big influence on me um, and a lot of it is focused around, uh, uh, well, being that drummer, I like to, when I write lyrics, I like them to sit in a pocket. I like them to, to be really rhythmic and feel a certain way. But if you've ever listened to somebody like Ray, Ray Lamontagne, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's probably up my avenue. Um, I would never compare myself to him because he's got such an amazing voice and he's such an amazing writer. Uh, but you know, I would love to, I wouldn't mind somebody making that comparison. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's something bluesy about it. There's, there's a bit of a, a folk rock influence. Yeah. That's how I describe it. Okay. Um, so this, this album that's coming up, is yeah. this your first is this going to be your first studio album? No, actually. Uh, it will technically be my third. Oh, okay. Um, but it's my first solo, quote-unquote, uh, record. Um, my first record I recorded in San Francisco. 
under a moniker called Blood and Dust. Mm-hmm. I um, remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and I made a little uh, eight song EP called The Crooked Road, and that was my first studio album, and it was really my first time. I I played in a studio before as a as a drummer, but I'd never really done it as a front person or as a singer, <clears throat> and so it was a little intimidating and. We only had two days in the studio, so it was oh, very wow. it was very quick turnaround <laughs> to record eight songs in two days. Because I used to, yeah. For those of you out there that that aren't familiar with the music world, studio time is expensive. Uh, that's why. Well, that's why so many people are going to YouTube to try to get out there. But um, it is expensive. But it's very expensive because you're you're paying for expertise mm-hmm. uh, of the of the sound people that, I mean, they, they know how to mix, they know how to make your sound, what you want it to be, but also what they think sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think we did that first record with a budget of about five grand or so. Then I went to do a follow-up record called the breakup. Um, and we didn't finish that record. I, I, I think I recorded about six songs and I still have those songs. I'm still like getting ready to release. I've released one of them and I have a few more that I'm re- kind of releasing, uh, along the way. But, uh, yeah, I, that was, I worked with a guy in, um, in sort of the East Bay close to Oakland. His name's Gowan Matthews. And we, we pieced together these songs and, and really, uh, we, I think we brought in a drummer for a couple songs, uh, like four songs of that, but really a lot of it was just he and I sort of working together. And it, that's where I found that I had a flow in the studio and I, and I started to get that process. Like mm-hmm. it became less foreign to me, less scary to me, less nerve wracking to me. So I could come in and I could just, focus on what we were doing, you know, and, and, and I actually, you know, gained a lot of encouragement from him through that process where he, he would tell me like, Hey, uh, you know, the the times that I would doubt my guitar playing or something, he was like, Hey man, he's like, some people come in and I have to redo their guitar parts for them. I don't have to do that for you. And so that was a, kind of the first feeling that I had my legs under me and I, and I could do this. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited to eventually share some of those songs, but, but, um, I'm really excited about this next record, which is my, technically my third record might be my first Nashville, uh, produced, recorded. So I can officially say I'm a Nashville recording artist, uh, <laughs> after, after recording. Yeah. I'm excited about it. We're, we're calling it, um, chasing down a ghost. Okay. Is it, is, is there, well, I mean, Really, Bart, is that a real question you're going to ask? Yes, it is. That's a real question I'm going to ask. Um, but I'm going to change it from is there because there's there always is. What is the meaning behind that? What's the influence behind that title? So that, that title sort of came out of a song that I... Uh, I had written I, recently. It's actually going to be on this record. It's called Howlin' at the Moon. Um, and as we were writing this, uh, I co-wrote it with a guy named Andrew Capra. As we were writing it, um, that lyric just kind of came to me. We were working through a verse and that lyric came to me and I was like, that's cool. And it wasn't, it wasn't until after that. And we started to sort of plan this record that, um, that that lyric st- stuck out to me. I was like, there, you know, there's a lot of connective tissue for some of these other songs of that idea hmm. of chasing something that's maybe sort of unattainable. Okay. And that's, you know, I, th- I just think the visual of trying to catch a ghost <laughs> is pretty stark and strong. And, um, I think, uh, I think that that's going to be a kind of a pervasive idea of this, of this recording, uh, group of songs. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. <clears throat> so chasing down a ghost, chasing down a ghost. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Chasing Ch- down a ghost. Chasing down a ghost. And you'll hear it again later on. Cause I will make sure to say it again. 
So talking about your music, as our title is marginally pertinent, we like to talk about why something is pertinent. And another reason I wanted you to be a guest on our show is trying to get into the music industry. Um, you basically are marginalized until <laughs> you, until you can hit it big, um, until, I, I don't know how it works, but somehow your name gets out there and then all of a sudden you're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so why is your music pertinent? Why is my music pertinent? Yeah. Um, well, that's a really subjective question. I, I think, I think what I've learned to value in my music and what I have learned to value in my style of writing and, and how I approach writing a song, there's a few things. It's multi-layered. Uh, there was a, probably a point in my life where I would sabotage my own life to be able to have good content to write a song. Um, that's, that's a, that's an idea or an approach that I don't value anymore. And I refuse to use that. But the idea of write what you know is really important. I think, um, I think what makes my music pertinent or, uh, maybe even palatable for one of these allegory um, is when I write a song and this sounds selfish, but I'm not writing it for anybody And that song is for me. It's, it is my, it's my way of, working through things that I'm feeling that maybe I didn't know I was feeling. It is trying to say or paint a picture of what I value. Um, and it, and I'm trying to conv convey more than one emotion because I think it, it, it's not gonna be a popular idea, but I feel like our culture today tells us that we're allowed to feel two emotions. We're allowed to feel happy. We're allowed to feel sad, but there's a lot of a different emotions in, in, um, and they're okay as, as being a human being to feel a lot of different emotions. And so when I write a song, my hope after I've written this song for me to process or whatever, is that somebody would hear it and say, I feel that. I know what that's like. I've been there. Because I, uh, I feel like that's what makes a song timeless. It's, it's not so much about... Like, I don't, my goal is never to be somebody famous. I just wanted to write good songs. And so I feel like I'm on that track. Mm. And I feel like some of these songs are some of the best songs I've ever written. And I think um, they're worth a listen because they're real. Uh, not to say that there's not a lot of real music out there. There is. There definitely is. But I feel that there's a, maybe a bit of a push towards pandering to people instead of saying, saying what you actually think. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. um, so that's what I'm trying to do when I write these songs. Uh, so just because I think this is what a good interviewer should do. Um, I'm going to try to reword what you just said to me and see if, I'm understanding what you're saying. Sure. Um, so the music you write, you're writing about yourself or, or how you feel mm -hmm. in, um, could be abstract terms, could be blunt, right in your face terms. Sure. Um, but your hope when that music gets out there is that somebody can relate that they can feel that and be like, man, I'm not alone out there. I, D Douglas Allen here, he's, he's talking about what I've been feeling for right. years or, um, just be able to relate to your music. That yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's exactly what I'm going for. I, it's less about having my name attached to it and more about, you know, I think of, I think of the songs that 
have moved me in my past. When I know every generation has a different thing that sort of touches them. But when I think of songs that move me, it's they all have to do with some, something that they said that somehow I connected with or I got a picture in my head that just was so strong that I, I couldn't not think about that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what my music does. I, I have one song. I, ha- I haven't released it yet, but I've played it a lot and I've, I've shared it a lot with a, with a few people. And it's got this one lyric in it that doesn't, without fail, anytime I play it, uh, people, women especially, latch onto this one lyric because it's about dancing in the kitchen. And, <laughs> and that was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I don't want to make it sound like I was, oh yeah, I planned that all along. It's amazing. <laughs> I sort of stumbled upon it. And then when I got that visual, that visual, I was like, what a great sentiment and a love song to say, like, I want to dance with you in the kitchen because it, it, it's a good visual. And it, it like, not only does it sing well, the way I think the way, the way that I wrote it, I think it sings well, but I think, I think that the picture's there and that's what, when you can conjure that picture for somebody, then it's, you've done something. You, it's, it's okay to feel. Yeah. And that's, that's why I write these music because so many points in our life, it's just like our lives are sterilized. We got to stay strong at work or we got to stay strong in our, our relationship to our partner or in front of our kids. And, you know, those are, these are all subjective things I'm saying, but, but the truth is like, sometimes it, we're so sterilized and we don't get to feel. And so to, to have a release, something cathartic like music that tells you like, it's okay to scream, cry into your pillow right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> do that. It's okay. <laughs> Cause it's good to release emotion. Like it that. is. It's totally good to release emotion in a constructive way. Yeah. Or, I mean, in your room, I guess, <laughs> break things if it's your own stuff. I mean they what they have a whole business set up around like having a room that people can pay and go in the room and break everything in the room really? you heard about this yeah no. it's a great it's a, they do it in places like San Francisco where they're just like here's another video folks Here you go. <laughs> here's two hundred dollars go into this room with a baseball bat break anything that you want you know that's actually a great idea yeah. what why didn't we think of this in college it's so simple it's so simple yeah <sighs> yeah <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about your. So we talked about the album title, mm-hmm. "Chasing Down a Ghost." There it is again. I told you to come back up. Um, and you said that that's kind of a thread going through this album. Yeah. Um, would you say that is the the main theme? Or, or is each song its own thing with just a hint of this? I think each song kind of have, have, they have their own legs. Um, I think it is a thread that runs through it, but it, but it's, you know, I'm not trying to do a hacky callback on every song. They're like, hey, by the way, <laughs> chasing down a ghost right over here. Um, but I think that, song, we're chasing down a ghost. But in that song, we're also we're chasing, chasing down, down a ghost. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I think, no, I, it's, I ha, I still have a couple songs that I'm, I'm finishing for the okay. record. And, and, and it's been interesting to name this record and have that inform these songs as I write them. Like, oh, that would be kind of cool. You know, that, that idea. I always loved bands that, that made cool records and could sometimes pull themes together for the whole thing. Yeah. I've always, another thing I'm enjoying about talking with you about this, I've never gotten to talk to anybody about making a musical album. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Foo Fighters, they are my favorite band I didn't know that. Uh, of, of all time uh, Dave if you're out there uh, just hit us let up you know. Dave just let me know um, <laughs> anyway so I've always wondered because when they come out with a new album or really if anybody comes out with a new album I'm always wondering well why did they name it that right <laughs> and um, but then as you listen a lot of times you'll hear maybe that line mm-hmm. in a song and be like oh well there's there's the word yeah or, or there's the phrase 
but why? Why that for right. the album name? Anyway, so I, I love getting to talk to you about that. Yeah. Just hearing that thought process. All right. Uh, let's – the next uh, – thing we're going into topic um complications. complications what what complications have you had with this album what complications um do you foresee or or well if you can foresee complications, that's great i guess but uh, what are complications with this album well obviously there's a there's a couple there uh the one is finishing writing the last few songs that are on it and making sure that those songs are what need to be there. So I do have some material and I've shared a lot of that with my producer, Mitch Dane. Uh, so yeah, obviously like the songs have to be finished to be able to record them. (laughs) It's a small detail. You might start Um, a new, uh, niche musical genre that, um, just you stop a song halfway through and, and that's yeah, the just next stop. track yeah <laughs> I've done that in live performances where like I I didn't rehearse a song and I decided I'm gonna play this song and I get three quarters of the way through it and I have a moment like oh I don't I don't know how this ends <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember it's a great moment on stage and it's good it's good it's a great it's like a testing ground as a performer where you're just like, keep it together. <laughs> Make a joke that everybody likes because you did a dumb thing. Just keep playing the chord. Yeah, play the hey chord. Hey, guys, you know what? Yeah. I, uh, I forgot the next yeah. lyric, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the biggest complication, and uh, and I'm thankful that I get a chance to share this on your, your, um, your podcast, is money. We have a really big goal. It's an audacious goal. It's what they call a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, we're trying to raise $20,000, a little bit over $20,000 to make this record. Um, so where where is that money going to go? I, as we said earlier, studio time is, is expensive. It is expensive. Well, as I said earlier, my first record we spent two days in the studio and we spent five grand. That was between like, uh, recording and mastering and, uh, paying the guys that played on the record and, uh, album artwork, distribution, all that kind of stuff. It all went into that. So for this go around, um, some of those things, some of the, the latter things like, like album artwork and all this stuff that I'm all paying out of pocket and, and, uh, I'm not trying to rush this process. So the $20,000 basically covers, uh, none of that goes into my pocket that all goes into this record. So it, it covers 14 days recording at Sputnik sound here in Nashville, which is, um, it's where the raconteurs have recorded Uh, and, and, uh, Mitch actually, uh, my producer, Mitch Dane, won a Grammy for working with Jars of Clay. Nice. Um, so it goes towards 14 days of working with him, uh, and it goes towards paying the musicians that are co- going to come in and play on that record. Um, it covers the mixing. So post, when we're out of the studio, whatever Mitch has to do in post mm-hmm. to 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 add extra sounds or I'll come in and he'll do all the mixing. Like those are all things that we consult on. And then, um, that that's the bulk, that's the bulk of it. So it goes towards paying musicians. It goes towards, uh, that studio time. And it's, it's set up like that so that we don't have to rush so that we can make the best music possible because there's nothing like hearing a really sloppy record that, that hasn't, that somebody hasn't taken the time. And so if you think of like your best, the best album that you love or the best song that you love, mm. they took time to make that. And, uh, it's, it's a, it is the biggest amount of money that I've ever raised for anything. And, um, if I didn't believe in these songs, if I didn't believe in doing this, um, I wouldn't do it. So, uh, that, 20 grand goes towards recording. 
Now, is is after the recording process, mm -hmm. how does it get put out there? How does it get put out there? Uh, well, what we'll do after it's recorded and after it's mixed is we'll send it to mastering and I'll have uh, – it's actually really cool. A good friend of mine from San Francisco now lives here in Nashville. She sort of splits time. And I think it's most likely that she will mix my album. And then, then when that is done and we say, like, Mitch and I sit and listen to it and say, yeah, that is the good stuff. Um, um, I will I will basically put it uh, – I'll, I'll go through an online proxy and we'll – We'll get it distributed through Spotify, through through Amazon, through Apple, um, all of the online things. You can it'll be on it'll be on YouTube as well. Um, but then we'll also make physical copies of that record, um, and then maybe down the line I'll also do vinyl. But that's I'm not, I'm not planning on that right away. But uh, yeah, so that's that's how it gets out. As soon as we get it done and it's good to go, I will. Um, I'll finish up with, with, you know, all of the album sort of artwork stuff with whoever I choose to do that. Right. Um, and then we'll get it digitally distributed to people and then we'll send out physical copies for the people who contribute to our campaign. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is something, uh, that I, I know about things like Indiegogo and other mm -hmm. crowd, crowd, crowdsourcing, crowd crowdfunding, crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, that there are like, tiers and rewards right do you have something like this i or? do yes okay. so my campaign is going to be through a platform called indiegogo we're calling the project chasing down a ghost which is the same um same title i think the sub line for that is making an, a nashville indie record okay um and uh there are different tiers i think we start at 15 dollars and 15 15 gets you uh a digital download, digital download, and then they kind of go up from that. The next one up is uh, I don't I don't remember the specific exactly. tier break breakdowns, but basically here's what you can get if you give to our campaign. Um, <laughs> some examples would be we start with the digital download, and it moves up to a digital download plus a physical copy, and then we have some really cool things as we get higher up in the perk process of, uh, I will write a personal song for you. Wow. I can also do a co-writing session for you. We can do that, uh, via Skype, those sort of things. Um, I'm giving away a guitar as one of the perks. Oh my gosh. Um, and then also I'm, uh, going to play a house show if you give a certain level. So there's, um, so cool. Yeah. There's some different things in there. Um, incentives to, to, to be, to contribute, but anything that goes to the, goes to that campaign, um, there's a, there's like s some small fees that the, that the platform takes out, but the rest of it goes to, goes to me first and then it goes into the recording. So yeah. I don't, I don't keep any of that money and anything. If I, if we go over our goal, um, any of that flex goal goes toward, uh, mastering and then making the physical copies of it paying for the artwork anything that's related to that album so so yeah. the the thing the main takeaway we have with the uh the crowd funding here going to doug is he's not just taking your money and running this this money gets kind of held until it's going to the recording That's studio, right? Um, with the flex school, it is going to the production. I guess the, the actual physical making of the album. Yeah. Um, so your money is not just lining Doug's pockets. Uh, yeah, that could buy a whole lot of cheeseburgers, but <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. Um, you mentioned the, the co-writing session. Yeah. Uh, so you've had to explain to me what that is. Yeah. Would you mind explaining just because I know that's what you, that, that's something you do. Right. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind telling people what yeah. co-writing is. Um, well, it is just as it, as the name implies, it's writing a song together. Like, uh, like a co-host would host with somebody. It, it's when, uh, two or more songwriters get together and they, 
sort of hash out ideas for a song and uh and you know everybody sort of contributes and at the end you have a song so uh, a lot of it is you know there's a certain level of discomfort at first when you don't it's like a date it's like going on a date <laughs> when you meet a new co-write you you're going on a date with them basically in your living room with guitars or whatever instrument that person plays and you're just trying to get to know each other and trying to pull music out of each other it's a great exercise as a writer but it but it sometimes it can be really really magical and um oh, the magic magic <laughs> I, do you believe in magic? um sorry <laughs> so sorry it's totally um, staying in there too yeah you would uh, <laughs> But it's uh, it can be it can be a pretty great experience sometimes, and and I've had some really great co-writes here in Nashville. But you also have bad ones that you're just like, okay, I can totally imagine. Probably we're not. Let's let's not do that again. With, with hey, time. Doug, I want to write songs about kittens. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, first off, if I had a gun handy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just kidding. No violence. Uh, so, gosh, I keep having. I need to be writing. I need a little pad over here to write these questions that jump in my head. Yeah, well, that's something to learn from. Well, hey, I'm uh, glad I you. could be your first. Thank you for helping me learn my how pleasure. to do a better interview. It's my pleasure. <laughs> So all, all the future interviews we do will be better because of the foundation you are that you, welcome. you helped us with. It was a pleasure, and the pleasure was all yours. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, we talked about where the money has gone. Um, is there anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, I don't know who's going to be listening, but... I mean... Uh, you know, I did a, I did a podcast with, with, uh, Cody Grace, um, back a few months or, uh, and by a month, I mean a year, uh, or more. And, uh, I don't know if there's any like Durant people or Southeastern people listening. Hi. Southeastern. Uh, you, I, he's calling me Douglas Allen. That is, that's my stage name, but you might know me as Doug Teeman. That's, that's my... That's my legal name. That's my Christian name. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, hi. If you're listening, cool. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry that you have to listen to me ramble. And and if if you are listening, well, I just thank you for listening. So because yeah. we just want people to listen. You should listen to this podcast, not because I'm on it, because Bart and Randall are two of my favorite people, and I think that you should listen to the things that they say. Do it. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. Um, so in closing, you can find Doug at his own personal website, uh, douglasallenmusic.com. He's on Instagram and Facebook at Doug. A it's actually not that. Um, it's <laughs> so close. <laughs> It's at Douglas Allen Music. That's it. That's the one. Twitter, he is at I am Douglas Allen. Why is he pertinent? Why is he on this show? Because he is trying to launch a great album. I already know it's <laughs> going to be great. I haven't heard any of this stuff, but I've heard some of his other stuff, and it's a joy to listen to. Um, So we will put a link to his Indiegogo site on the website because it's actually pretty long to say. Actually, it's not that long. I mean, it's not that long, but it's kind of confusing to say it. So we yeah. should definitely post it to where people. Yeah, go to the website, uh, our website. I'm sure uh, his website will also have. I will have all that stuff posted. Uh, album title: Chasing Down a Ghost. Look forward to hearing it. Yeah. Thank you for coming and talking with us. Thanks for having me. And this is Bart Harper from Marginally Pertinent with my guest, Douglas Allen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for that interview, Bart, and for Doug for stopping by. Doug also hung around and played us a song off that upcoming album. And here it is. <laughs> Thank you.
a cloud of smoke You dance right through the air Passing through my fingers Like you were never there And each time I get you close Feels like I'm chasing down a ghost And I don't know what I got myself like to personally thank Doug for coming on the show to share some of his experiences and I wish him all the best in raising the funds to get that new record done. Absolutely loving the sound of this track. Uh, Again, if you would also like to follow up with Doug, you can find him at douglasallenmusic.com. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook at douglasallenmusic and you can also find him on Twitter where it's at I am Douglas Allen. And as always, you can find Bart and myself at marginallypertinent.com or on Instagram and Facebook where you can search for Marginally Pertinent. Again, this is Randall Latham for the Marginally Pertinent Podcast. And stay pertinent, people.